Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. Hey everybody, welcome to Jen Lowry Writes. As you can see, I have got the amazing Peter Fenton here today to celebrate the launch of his latest play, Abandon All Hope. So we're going to get ready to do the ooh and the ah. I'm pulling up <laughs> my Kindle right now because I've got it on Kindle. Ooh. And then Peter, Peter has got it. <laughs> on paperback. Look ah. at that. So, guys, you can stop now. Don't leave. Just stop and go buy it and then come back. So, pause. Yeah. Come back. Listen to what Peter has to say. So, I want to tell you guys all about Peter Fenton. His work has appeared in or is forthcoming from Dadley Productions, City Limits Publishing, Hura Publishing, our Bible app, and Q Christian Fellowship, among others. Peter is an adventurous multi-genre author, kind of like me, guys, yeah. and a screenwriter, our first screenwriter on the show. <laughs> Breaking new ground, Peter. He's drawn <laughs> to creating clever and self-aware works. He wrote and produced the profitable world premiere of his holiday satire, See Amid the Winter Snow 2019, as well as his dark spiritual comedy, Abandon All Hope. 2020, a co-production with Brave Maker Media. Both plays are now published with City Limits Publishing. Peter served as the president and director of Jukebox Theater at Wheaton College and is an alumnus of the postgraduate apprenticeship program at Walnut Street Theater in Philadelphia. As an up-and-coming screenwriter and playwright, Peter is a member of the Dramatist Guild of America. He is currently the publishing accounts executive at City Limits Publishing, and you can connect with Peter on his website and on Instagram at Peter Fiat. Welcome, Peter. Oh, that was that was such a great intro. It's like a publicist wrote it. It is. <laughs> and it's so nice. And it just tells all of the loveliness of you and this yeah. author world. So the book came out, the play came out this yes. week. It did. And how does it feel now on the other side of the launch? It feels it feels great. You know, I just I really wasn't this was the first work that I felt had heaviness to it. Um cuz like my the other things that I've written before, it's not that they weren't important, but this story is it's like you were saying to me how it's not something that you just like read it once, say, oh, that was cute, and then move on. 
abandon all hope is not that. <laughs> so I think there was a little bit of apprehension in how will this be received? Because this did take a lot more heart to put into it. And now that I'm seeing all the lovely reviews coming in and seeing people genuinely enjoy the work and all that good stuff, you know, it feels great. I'm really happy with it. So when I first read it, that was the the first sit down. I could have put it down. I had to see what was going to happen with Evan, Sean, and Melissa. Like I wanted to know, how is this going to play out? What in the world? Are they stuck here in this hell of a dorm room forever? And what, you know, they're facing their demons, a demon, all of this. And so that was the one time and the wow factor was there throughout it, Peter. I was sure. just like, wow, this will have people pause. This will mm -hmm. make people think, make yeah. people question what world am I building around myself? Who yeah. am I? And that's a good thing. That's when you know that it does matter because it will allow people that opportunity to take a piece of work and grow within it and from it. Sure. So I've read it twice. I wow. Had a, yes. Way to go. So I am one of those. It's not, you know, if a book or this play stays with me, I want to experience it again. Because now that I know the whole wow, then I get to go back through at a pace where mm -hmm. I can actually say, okay, so those pictures in that dorm room, I've got to ask, like, these pictures on the wall, the, the last... Mm -hmm the echoes at the beginning. I didn't get it when I first read it. So like sure. right at the very beginning, you're hearing these echoes, you know, famous last words, right? Yeah. Or the, I think I positioned, well, okay. So before, before we go into too much about yeah, I don't the story. Yeah, do I'm not we, yeah. Okay. So, Oh, how do we talk? How do we talk about this without giving away any spoilers? <laughs> so, so my husband picks at me all the time. And he's like, you are terrible at reviewing books because you'll want to get so excited and give it all away. So yeah. I promise I won't. I will even rein you in, Peter, because okay. you do have some twists and turns in there. Right. That you don't want to tell during the podcast because we want people to experience it sure. as you go. But at the very beginning. The very beginning, the way you do that echoes, the way you, yeah. the way you have set the stage. Mm -hmm. How did that all come to you? How did this concept come to you? So, so I've gone on a bit of a journey myself. Um, I went through a a season of undiagnosed depression when I was nineteen, and so what I had realized in the journey through therapy then, and then the journey through therapy a couple of years later to process that first journey, I had identified these three areas that existed within me and as like distinct elements of my personality and also distinct elements in which I was making my world a living hell for myself and for everyone in my life who loved me. And so when I finally put pen to paper with Abandon All Hope, I wanted, I was removed enough from it. I mean, I'm 25 years old now. I was removed enough from it that I could make jokes about my journey and infuse it into a really compelling fiction story. And Abandon All Hope at the very beginning made me laugh out loud because I was like, yeah. that would be 
those authors that are like really caught up into the <laughs> the editing and everything is perfect and having all of the discussions about grammar i'd be like yeah, yeah. that would be a way having a sign like that to welcome you in and it's right. all typoed and comic sans you made a joke about that too <laughs> oh i hate comic sans <laughs> Like, the worst I font. Preference. I love Georgia. I don't know. Yeah. That's my favorite font. Um, I mean, everybody has, I guess, their font. Do you have a favorite font? I'm asking you just this I, random question. I like, so right now on, on my own website, I only use two fonts. I use Montserrat for headings, <laughs> and I use Marta for the body text. Okay. And that was something that I really like both of those fonts, and I really like the way that both of them look together. Um, so if you do ever head to my website, there are only two fonts on the site, keeping it consistent and keeping it visually interesting. But anyway, back to I know, I know. we're gonna get off. I'm gonna yeah, it. back to back to the initial setup of the story. So when yeah. so once I identified these three different journeys that I was going on and sort of parsed them out into their own fully fleshed out characters, getting the and figuring out the way that each of them would have died, what was the line that was the point of no return? And so at the very beginning, you hear Evan say, I'm only saying this because I love you. And Melissa says, I'm going to need another vodka cider. And Sean says, I do it. I'll be your hero. And it's meant to be the line that sealed their fate. Right. But also it was reflective of their personality. So it was yeah. just the natural extension of these character traits coming mm -hmm. all in in this piece of dialogue. So that dialogue tells a story in and of itself. Yeah. And it was it is a powerful line to pick out for each person. But in context, because you, eventually you do see the context of each line in context, it's. It's not nothing. But it is just sort of, it's in context. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the it's it's a snapshot of what is to come. So yeah. I love how you crafted all of that at the very beginning. Just brilliant. Mm -hmm. yeah. So tell me when, so this was, we talked about this on uh, last week. This came during coronavirus and you finished yes, it. Yes, it did. And, uh, and so when you finished it, what were your next steps? Because I know that you've had it out there and you've produced it. Mm -hmm. Well, so, sort of, sort of. Yeah. Talk about that for people who may be interested in like, what's next? I've got this screenplay. What do I do? Mm -hmm. So a lot of everything in the entertainment industry is build connections with people because it's the connections that you have with people that will be parlayed into success. Um, I think one of the, it's a brutal honesty lesson, but you have to know people in order to have success. That just is how it is. So what you should do is get involved with your community's film organizations. I mean, I met this I met this guy, Tony Gapastone, out in California. Um, I met him through so he is he's a filmmaker and he's also a pastor. And he co-pastors with another pastor, obviously. That's what co-pastor would mean. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's 
So his co-pastor, Matt Nightingale, is an active member in this large network of LGBTQ Christians. And so that we all eventually kind of meet each other. It's the, it's the Rainbow Jesus Mafia, I like to call it. Um, we He and I met at a conference, and so we followed each other on Twitter. And then I started learning about Matt Nightingale and his work. And then he co-pastored with Tony, who is a filmmaker as well. And he has this film festival out in California. And so I ended up taking a screenwriting seminar with Tony. And then, like, you know, he was leading. It was like a writer's workshop. And we pitched ideas and we talked all these things. And I was writing Abandon All Hope at the time. So it was a seminar series over Zoom. And I just got talking with Tony. And Tony was intrigued with my idea. And I sent him the script and we ended up staging a table read of the play. So that actually is still available on YouTube. It's an older draft of the script. But if you wanted to become familiar with the story, you can head over there. But I would also appreciate if you bought a copy of my book. <laughs> yes, yes. So how was that experience, seeing it come to life like that? Words in your head, words from your heart to a page, mm -hmm. to the reading. So with a play, it's meant to be heard. Like you can, you can get a lot out of reading a play, of course, but you don't really know what you're working with until you hear people read it. And so in the reading of Abandon All Hope and later in the audiobook of Abandon All Hope, I played Evan. I know how to do the Evan voice. It just... <laughs> It is what it is. It's great. It was a really fun time. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but hearing an actual, hearing a woman voice Melissa and hearing a woman voice Teresa and hearing an Asian guy voice Sean, it really brought these characters to life because that's who they are. And they all do sort of sound like me, but their distinct characters and their distinct voices. So it was in hearing their voices that I knew I had something great on my hands. And actually about a thousand people tuned into that reading, which was incredible. We had, it was on StreamYard, so this same platform, and we were able to get live audience reactions through it, Ooh. which was really cool. And we cycled through some of the comments at the end and I got to get some real-time feedback on my play, and people liked it. So once we did that reading, that was July 2020, I spent the month of August doing revisions, and then I got it to a place where I was really happy with it. My birthday is at the end of August, August 26th, um, in case anybody wants to send me a gift. Um, um, <laughs> this is Sam's birthday. Sam's is the 24th, my baby. Oh, really? Yes. Well, happy birthday, Sam. Yep. Happy, on... happy Easter birthday, Peter. I'll, I'll not forget this ever. Go. Thank you. It's my golden <laughs> birthday. I'm turning 26 on the 26th. It's oh, wow. Yeah. So I had gotten to a place where I was really happy with the script the, on my birthday. I was really happy with the script, and I had put together a pitch deck. Are you? Have you heard of a pitch deck before? I would love you to tell us this terminology you speak Great. of. Great. <laughs> yeah. So pitch decks are really common in the film industry. And basically what you do is you communicate the vibe of your script. It's a visual document. Um, 
you basically like sort of make a what you want the look and feel of your story to be. So basically what I did was I went into Pinterest and I made Pinterest boards for each of Teresa, Sean, Evan, and Melissa of what, what sorts of clothes they would wear, what sort of designs they would be interested in, what sort of pieces they of their kind world. Of yeah. 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 And then I did screenshots of those and I gave descriptions of each character and I gave a little overview of the story and I went on some of the free graphics websites and downloaded something of a of a of a bus and something of a woman standing on a roof and something of a pie that's been lit on fire, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All those important things. And so I constructed it to look like the complete product of what I would want Abandon All Hope to feel like on a visual level. And so I ended up actually using that as my query letter when I was looking for publication. Okay, and... let's stop here. Okay, yeah. so you're talking aesthetic boards that we use in the fiction world. That's a part of my process too, mm -hmm. that I have to build visuals. Yeah. Not only, yeah, behind the scenes, a vision board party that I give myself for my book, and I do all these quirky little things. So what you're calling a pitch deck, I call an aesthetic board. Yeah. And so you actually use that as an attachment into this query letter. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And well, it was successful. You know, obviously it, it works. It works. <laughs> um it and then the next week was Pitmad in September. Oh, yes. yes. And then I got I got picked up by City Limits through Pitmad. Nice, so. nice. I was in that Pitmad with you, just out there throwing yeah. out some of the kit. Yep, sure was. Just taking a Very jump, nice. putting up. And so what you have talked about. I want to say two things, bold and brave. Yeah. You're bold and brave. Would you expect the author of Abandon All Hope to be anything <laughs> less? <laughs> no, honestly. But it just is affirming, though, because you are. For one, it takes a lot of brave to get up in StreamYard and have a reading with live comments when it's yeah. just put out there in the world. Talk about, was that some nervous energy there? A little was, bit. Yeah. Uh, and then, but what helped you fight through that to be bold like that? Well, I think I'm more focused on acting that night. In the moment, I was Evan. I wasn't Peter. I was just Evan. So in focusing on my performance, I was able to kind of not think about, oh, this, all of this is mine. I just focused on the one quarter of it that was mine. Right. So you took some Jekyll juice. That's what you did. Yeah. And, and you were able to really do that switch. Mm -hmm. Wow. Love it. So, so tell me about how your experiences working with theater, if moving from being in theater, have you always been a screenwriter or is this something that has evolved with you over time? Well, so I, I started as a playwright and of course, Abandon All Hope is a play, so I, I still am a playwright, right. but 
So my the first thing that I ever wrote was when I was in eighth grade, I was part of our middle school play. And I honestly forget what the play was. It wasn't very good. But I was sitting there with the script in my hand and I said out loud, rather arrogantly, I can write a better play than this. Oh, oh. And my teacher said, I want to see it. So I did. And then he, fast forward a year later, she stages that play. I was in ninth grade. And so the middle schoolers were putting on the play that a high schooler wrote. So that was the first thing that I wrote because there was an opportunity there and I was able to capitalize on it. Okay. There again, bold and brave, you know? speaking out that confidence to go, just to do yeah. and to be. And then props to your teacher. You know, I'm an educator. So yeah. props to your teacher out there for saying, show me. Show me. Don't just that tell was, me. That was the challenge. That was the catalyst. Mm -hmm. Would you have done that? Would you have just said it flippantly and just went on? Or do you think that that was a defining moment where you had that life poured into mm. you to move? You know, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know if I would have gone through with it if Mrs. Fisher hadn't said back to me, then I want to see it, Fenton, you know? <laughs> so props to Mrs. Fisher. Mrs. Fisher. Truly. Yeah. Um, she's she's retired now. She and I were actually just texting this morning. So we're still, we're still close. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So then you're in ninth grade. Now let's, let's, Throw back some years again, because I love yeah. being in this place. Mm -hmm. So you're in ninth grade. Here goes a play that you wrote. What? Like, yeah. You're going back and how so, is that? I know, <laughs> I know your parents were tickled. I know they oh, were. Yeah. To the moon. Oh, absolutely. It was, it was surreal. The little 15 minutes of fame I had in Lancaster <laughs> County, Pennsylvania. It was... It was it was a lot to take all at once for a kid like me. Um, and so I think for a while there, I wasn't willing. Like, I felt like the future was being written for me in that big, splashy moment and then being unable to replicate it immediately. So I think there may have been some element of that heading into my experience with eventual depression was not being able to live up to this incredible, amazing success that first time when I was 14. And so I, as I went through the rest of high school, I had gotten, I had gotten really into religion and I had been really diving deep into my faith and um, got into, went to Wheaton college, which is a famously, uh, they call themselves the Harvard of evangelical schools. And I just, I got it in my head that everyone's telling me that I need to be a writer, but I'm going to write my own story. So I'm going to be a pastor or a therapist or a counselor. And of course I wasn't happy because I was made to be a writer, you know? And I think that there, there are elements that we 
You know, I think that when we're 10, 11, 12 years old, we know what we want to do with our lives. We just do because it's uncomplicated and we just live and things come naturally to us. And then I think when we get to our 20s, we know again, or at least we have a better sense of it. But for some reason, the person who's in charge of what you're doing or what you go to school for is 17, 18 years old when you are most influenced by people who are not you. Um, when you're not listening to when you're not listening really to God or um, just whatever relationship inside yourself, right. you know. So so I do think that it was wonderful and awesome that I wrote a play when I was 14, but it took me a while to write a new thing after that. Um, it took me until junior year of college when I was past that season of depression and I was, my second opportunity was the first screenplay that I wrote. So I had, it was, again, it was a connection that I knew. It was a, one of my elementary school teachers, her husband had quit teaching to become a filmmaker and she had been following my story on Facebook and she said she introduced me to her husband. The rest is history. Now her husband, Brad, is my mentor. And we've I wrote the one screenplay for him and we're working together on a new project now. And so it's just like, it's great. <laughs> I love, too, that you understand the value of community mm -hmm. and connection. Yeah, absolutely. And you learned that early. And so mm -hmm. because that was impressioned upon you at an early age, I do think that it gives you, you know, the added benefits of not having to go out and try to learn for yourself. Should I go this way? Should I should I do this? You know, people can struggle sometimes because they're so like introverted or they want to stay behind mm -hmm. and they want to type and, and stay behind the screen. You understand that it's more than just that. Oh, it's so much more than that. So much more. You get it. Yeah. And I think it's because you had those dots connected maybe earlier in your life. Yeah. And so to everyone that's listening out there, you know, when we talk community, community is crucial for growth, mm -hmm. not just success, you know, not lining yourself up for opportunities, but growth as an individual, as a writer, because the more that you connect, you can learn from one another, you can share you can have a space where you can grow together with people instead yeah. of just staying stagnant behind your screen. Right. Which again is a boldness there because you've got yeah. to put yourself out there. You've got to be vulnerable to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't grow if you're stuck inside your comfort zone, like writing and finding success should be, should scare you a little. It still does scare me from time to time. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. All, all the time because it's our heart. Like, mm -hmm. we understand it. Will other people understand it? We get mm -hmm. it. It's the story that came to us. Will other people get it? Mm -hmm. And now you're seeing that with Abandon All Hope. You're seeing yeah. other people. You know, it's resonating with them because it is a powerful story. Yeah. It is. It does make you question, what are you building around mm -hmm. your life? What are... What are you investing in? What are you yeah. taking time in? What is your perspective? How is your approach? How mm -hmm. do you treat other people? Yeah. And you hit all of those major points 
with a little bit of humor thrown in there. Yeah, it's, it's how I process. <laughs> so I will have to tell you, there were moments where you had me just like cackling out loud. Yeah. Like you what, what were some of the what were some of the funny moments oh for gosh, you? Gosh, I don't want to sound really bad here, but like a fall off scene made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it was awkward that I was laughing, but I saw the hilariousness of the moment, the ridiculousness of the moment. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I, was, I probably should have laughed at that one. But you, but what this does is that when you're reading something that is heavy and then light and then gets heavy mm -hmm. again, sometimes you can kind of get lost in some of the emotions of where it's supposed to be. And you find yourself yeah. going, hey, whoa. Um, there were parts in there like when Melissa refused to touch the Bible. I was like, come on, girl. Come <laughs> on. That's your choice. I don't want to tell it out loud. I was like, come on, gross. Really? Like, you can yeah. do this. It's, it's, Have you no faith? Of course on. not. I'm an atheist. <laughs> I mean, really? Um, and so I wanted to shake her a little bit. Like, yeah. she was the one I wanted to shake, rattle, and roll throughout. Mm. I will tell you. It's funny, though, because she didn't start this way, but I see her as the protagonist of the story. Okay. I, I yeah. take you, Peter, for what you say. You're the author. <laughs> but the, I mean, reader, the reader can engage, though, in a different yeah. way. Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. I think just, like, not necessarily on a, a level of hero, because I think Melissa has the longest way to go of the three. Um, I mean, there's a reason when I say this is like the Wizard of Oz, Melissa's the one with no heart. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but just in like the narrative sense, she she pops more as the protagonist. Um, like if you if you go through the story beats of what happens in the room, you're like, oh, I, I don't think it's like a head and shoulders above the other two, or the other three, I should say. But I think that there's an element of if somebody is if one person is the protagonist, I think it's her. If you view Teresa as the antagonist. Right. Well, I do see her. I see Mama T as the antagonist. Okay. Yeah. So, so got to go there. I'll give you Mama that one for me as, the <laughs> as the reader. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I looked I looked at a different character. Okay. What, um, what did you think? As the protagonist. I looked at Sean because Sean had the most impact. And yeah. I believe Sean had the most impact on Evan. Yeah. And I believe that because of that, because of that ripple effect, mm -hmm. he he's to me, your protagonist for yeah. me as a reader, mm -hmm. um, I championed him more than, yeah. than the other two, I will say. Mm -hmm. um, but I also loved, I, and I'm not going to give a spoiler alert. Sure. I loved how you tied everything up. Yeah. At the end, um, the whole abandon all hope, you know, all, yeah. all ye who enter here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you enter into that space, though, you're creating a place where people can um, have hope for change. Yeah. 
I mean, it's not just hope for change for a character. It's, it's for life. Yeah. You know, and so you can become more self-aware. Mm -hmm. uh, you can become more introspective and, and really say, wow, like I can see how this could really help people in their lives. Right. Like, so, so what do you see for Abandon All Hope? Like it's published. You've yeah. got it out there. It's circulating. Yeah. It's, it's published now and I'm really hoping this one becomes a surprise bestseller. Um, just in the sense of like, you know, it's a play. People don't tend to buy copies of plays. It's just, it's not as much of a thing, but I think word of mouth will be very powerful with this one because if this has touched somebody's life, they may recommend it to a friend and then that friend may recommend it to another friend. It's, it's like, it's like a different type of evangelism. <laughs> yes. So tell me what, so tell me about the whole publicity on this thing. Like all the work that goes into it. Yeah. Because well, where, are, where do you want to start? You are out there. I love how you run your platforms. Yeah. They're so you. Um, so just tell me like, First, when did you start building your author platforms? When it was mm -hmm. when you were first writing that screenplay junior year? Did you start then or did you wait? Talk about how you started building social media. Well, yeah. So social media, I I've had my I've had my social media accounts, Peter Fent, which I believe is in my name right now, <laughs> since college. And it's been at that username. But I really didn't get serious about making it anything more than a personal account until a couple years ago, I would say. And then really Instagram, I've only gotten super serious about Instagram within the past month. <laughs> Whoa, seriously? Just yeah. So like, what was the switch? Like, did you read some business articles about Instagram or like, well, where I, was the switch? I had a hard hitting conversation with my mentor, Brad. Um, he said, he basically told me, you, your Instagram is your resume. And you need your Instagram account to match this very high end website that you have, which now my website is. Very nice. I like it a lot. The <clears throat> so when he communicated that to me, we went through what my profile was looking like, and it became apparent to me: oh, this pattern of photos that I'm posting are not that interesting, and it's making it both a bad personal account and a bad professional account because. If it's mostly a personal account and I'm always talking about my work, that is going to push people away. And if it's supposed to be a professional account and I'm posting shirtless selfies, it's going to drive clients and customers away. So we just blew the entire thing up and I started over from zero. Love and it. it's been really freeing. And once I... You know, I have a plan on Instagram now and I I stick to certain colors and I have a certain pattern. Like when you go to my Instagram now and you look at all my posts, 
half of them are in color and half of them are in black and white. And all the color photos have red somewhere in there. Because at this moment of my writing career, red is pretty dominant. <laughs> so. so I love about the brand awareness. Yeah. Showing that it's never too late to blow something up and build it right back from scratch. Yeah. That just, just you've got to go with it. And you have, I love how you called it the hard hitting conversation. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times that's what we need in our lives. We need to have those, what I call come to Jesus conversations. Yeah. Come to right? Jesus. Let's yeah. just get real and let's call it like it is. And let's say, how can we move forward now? So yeah. my stuff is a little messy and I'm okay with the mess mm -hmm. because that's my, my brand is all messy. Because your brand is a little messy. Messy. It's yeah. there. It's it's in this world, you know, with the multi-genres. You know, I'm here some days. I'm there the next. You never mm -hmm. know <laughs> what's yeah. happening. And I'm so cool with it. And yeah. because it's, you know, I tried at the beginning. Oh, let's make everything purple and let's do it this certain way. I couldn't consistently hold to that. Mm -hmm. And so what I talk to people about is how much can you give consistently? Sure. I get, give a mess consistently. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel really great about that. But I love how you're taking that time and developing mm -hmm. that platform and moving forward, understanding that that is your resume. It really is. Uh, it's love like it. People judge books by their covers. People judge people by their Instagram. And social media and yeah. what's up with Twitter and how mm. is the Facebook author world and LinkedIn and all of those places Yeah, that, that just sometimes authors can feel like you're spreading me thin here. I'm having mm -hmm. to be here. However, it's oh. the connection. It's mm -hmm. who could you possibly connect with? Exactly. On the site. If it would have been for LinkedIn, I could have a whole conversation with you just about the importance of LinkedIn. Really? Really? Because I'm LinkedIn is the one that I'm not uh, really on. I'm on, but go. I don't do anything with it. Go, <laughs> go there. I could I could have a whole conversation with you about how opportunities just have been amazing from really? just that platform. Huh. Yes. Yes, we're going to talk about that all because my listeners here at Jen Lowry Writes, they know all about the Instagram yeah. or the, I mean, the LinkedIn story. So I don't have to do this. This is Peter's time, not mine. Sure. But I just want to say to you that allowing me to go to Brimstone Hall, mm -hmm. that's the first and hopefully the only time I'll ever be close <laughs> to yeah. that ever <laughs> in this way. Um and I just want to say thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh, of course. I, so you got it, some stuff out there, you said. Yeah. Working I mean, on, working on some new stuff. Mm -hmm. I am. Um, I mean, right now, I the the project that I can talk about right now is I really want to see Abandon All Hope become a film. And so... But I think it's not as simple as taking the script and just, you know, retyping it in screenplay format. That's not how it works, because this is a play that takes place majority in just one enclosed room. So what I the struggle that I'm finding is 
how do I open this up a little more? And how do I do the same story and still have Brimstone Hall room 664? Because, you know, that's iconic. Um, but the, there has to be some degree of restructuring in order to make it work for film because film is visual and theater and well and book in this case is function it's an imaginative medium when you're reading it in the script and the book um but when you are watching something on film the film is doing the imagination for you right it's filling in all of those gaps that right. right and so it's just a matter of getting the script into a place where i could hand it to a film director and they could fill in those blanks and then come up with their version their take on abandon all hope because i am not a filmmaker i don't at this point i don't think visually enough to make that work so i would have to push it into somebody else's hands which is fine but then also the story and script has to evolve a little bit in order to work and be entertaining. So are you researching in this moment? Are you spending time researching, reviewing how others have went from A to B? Mm -hmm. A little bit, yeah. I think right now what I'm doing, because I, I know enough about writing film to write a screenplay. It's just a matter of going through the Abandon All Hope script and identifying the most essential pieces of dialogue. And once I have those things in place, then it's organizing them into scenes and figuring out what needs to change, like what setting could be, like what's something that Sean says in Brimstone Hall that could be in a flashback or like that sort of thing, you know? love this. I love this. But you said it's a challenge, but you seem that you're not afraid of that. You seem no. as if it's energizing you for the work. Oh, of course. I mean, this, I wouldn't keep doing it if I didn't feel it could be done. You know, that's, that's how I feel about pretty much anything that I do. It's if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And it's worth finding out how to do it right. And then you've got your mentor, you've got connections, yeah. you've got mm -hmm. research, and you've got that faith and confidence to just keep pushing you through when it does feel like that frustration moment could hit. Yeah, I because am. Because you, yeah. you know it matters, though. You've already got your why. Mm -hmm. Did you spend time working on that, or did it just find you? Well... So candidly, of course, um, and I mean, I had alluded to this earlier, I am both gay and Christian. And that is, I think when, when I started, so when I went through therapy the first time, I hadn't been aware of it yet. Um, but when I went through therapy the second time, it was a matter of processing through, okay, yes, these feelings that I have for other that other male friendships, um, I think I used that language somewhere in Abandon All Hope, um, that were different in those sorts of feelings. And so as I started to realize this about myself and realize that it was a 
net gain and not a net loss because once I embraced this part of myself, I started being able to genuinely understand my relationships and thus not have as much self-focus and just knowing how I operate, I was able to then have more genuine relationships with people, which was great. And like the, the good of that has been reflected in my walk since then. But once I started coming out, then the Christian communities that I was part of were not so inclined to keep me in there because people, people are very hung up on those six verses in the Bible. And um, some people in very good faith believe that that's the correct interpretation. Um, but that hurt a lot to hear that from people. And so I was inclined to leave those religious communities. And so once I did, I was like, great, I am, that is no longer part of me. I'm going to go live my life as a proud gay man. But like, it's just innate, the faith, the faith part. It's just, it is part of me. And it is not something that you can just take off like a coat. It's just, it's just part of who I am. The, this faith that has been inside me for my entire life and this love of Jesus and uh, just all of that, you can't get rid of it. I just, I feel so strongly that following Jesus makes me a better person. And so like, yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. So the why I feel, I feel like it's always been there, but there have been different points in my life where I wasn't willing to keep that as part of it. As your center. Yeah. Now that it's there. Yeah. And now that it's there, I full feel, force. yeah, it's much more of a full force and much more of a, I have my head on my shoulders a little more. Like, I mean, we're all, we're all a little unhinged, but like, all I feel all like. a work in progress though, right? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like internally, it's no longer as much of a battle trying to figure out who I am and why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's just more, okay, I'm comfortable with myself. Now I get to face the rest of the world. And if I'm comfortable with myself and the man God made me, then what else really matters? And you've embraced author within that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. It's all part of the journey. Yeah. And now you've got so much ahead of you. Yeah. Like all of the things, those next, the next, just exciting. Like, yeah. I'm just, and I'm very proud of you for being brave and bold in those moments and holding on to that. Just keep holding on to that center. And mm -hmm. like you said, it's not like a, it's not like a light switch or a coat. You can't turn mm -hmm. it off. You can't take it off. Hold on to the center. Yeah. The center Absolutely. of it all. Amen. Amen. I just want to tell you just how happy I am for you and yeah. seeing abandon all hope out there. I know that it can make people pause and reflect 
and truly think about the way that they treat others, they see mm-hmm. the world, maybe we'll help them get their act together. Who knows? Maybe. Could yeah. we all hope, right? We all <laughs> hope. <laughs> Yeah. So tell every, I know you've got at Peter Fit and you yeah. just talked about Instagram. So definitely you guys go follow Peter on Instagram. We're yeah. building up his platform. Um, how about Twitter? Are you? I'm, I'm also at Peter Fent on yep. Twitter. And uh, I mean, I'm, I am also at Peter Fent on Facebook. My professional Facebook page is not as active as my Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just, you know, my audiences kind of live on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. So, uh, you know, but I am, I mean, I am open to Facebook friendship. Like my personal Facebook is pretty active. Um, I am, I think just Peter Fenton on Facebook. And then my website is www.bypeterfenton.com. So that's bypeterfenton.com. Love it. All right. Yeah. So guys, let us all go now. And get abandon all hope. If you didn't stop at the beginning, now you can stop now at the end. And trust me when I say this is five star love. Yeah, it is a book that matters, and I'm really thankful that you took the time out of all of your busy schedule to come on the show and talk about your journey. Any last tips for oh, writers out there? Last tip. Last oh, word. Oh, geez. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, first of all. But I would just say, pay attention to your own story. You know, I think that lots of people think that their lives aren't interesting enough to draw stories out of, but pay attention. You you might learn something about what you've gone through. And if you're a creative person, Find ways of repackaging your own story under a new coat of paint. (laughs) Exactly. The author's craft, the love that we have, and it all gets into our books one way or the other. Write what you know. Yes. All right, Peter. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys later. Now that you found me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast, I challenge you to head over to where books are sold and find me there. I've published 11 books so far, and I write clean books for all ages. Horror, paranormal, sweet romance, fantasy, historical fiction, you name it. I've got your genre. Search Jen Lowry at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, and more. And for my Bible devotionals, you'll see my full name, Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry on Amazon. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.